This is our third week of celebrating Advent, and the theme of today is joy. And we've asked one of our newest and most beloved members of Blue Water, Pretty Curl, to come and share about peace. Come on up. Hello. Hi. My name is Preeti. Um, I'm originally born and raised in California. Um, have been in Hawaii for not too long. Um, growing up, God was a big part in our family. Um, even though my parents were not Christian, they sent us to a Christian school. And even throughout my life, um, yeah, God was just such an important uh, part, which is kind of ironic because it feels as if it wasn't until quite recently that I really started to understand what a relationship with God looks like, especially concerning the idea of what is uh, the Lord's joy. Mm, previously, the joy of the Lord and the joy of the world was one and the same for me. Uh, so it had to be experiences that induce states of um, feeling great or an, like some slight adrenaline rush. And when those moments were not there, not only was it like a state of um, suffering or feeling bad or feeling low, it also made me doubt uh, God's presence. And so I associated states of joy as that's when God is there. Um, and so God is there when we have states of joy and God was there when I was experiencing joy with my loved ones, uh, moments of laughter. However, I was often wondering like, what about the parts when it gets really tough or when there's loss and there's, um, grievances I have to process and my hunger throughout my twenties just like kept on growing and growing. And I would say that this year especially was like a quite a climactic year in that um, earlier this year it was uh, really tough as a lot of experiences that I hadn't processed in my younger years just started to surface. And it really made me um, question God's presence. Um, I was trying a lot of different things and one thing I did find that was somewhat effective was like breath work. And, I, um, I felt like, oh, this is, this is great. This, this has to be it. It's not 100%, but it's something. And maybe this is the most we can expect out of life. Um, and um, one thing led to another. I eventually came to my first Sozo here. Um, and when I was at my Sozo, that was the first time I had an experience of what an intimate relationship with God looks like. Um, because during it, I experienced that even during the toughest times of my life, when I was um, going through so much suffering or people I cared about were really suffering, it was so magical to know that God was still there. Um, and since my first Sozo and a few others after that, um, at home, when I'm by myself or like, I'm hitting something within my heart where it's like really tough or going through something and I feel like, oh my God, this is one of those moments again where it's gonna be really difficult, like it's gonna be emotions. 
Um, I lean into one of my favorite scriptures, which is God is near the brokenhearted. Um, and when I sit with God, with the power of that scripture, what happens is so magical because God takes my pain and he transforms it into vitality, vigor, and just a state of peace. Um, and what's most joyful about this experience is that at the end of it, there's like this excitement that, yes, like God is real. Um, and even though like consciously I read scripture, I know that God is real, having that experience from the heart, like every time it solidifies my faith that yes, God is real. Um, and it's just such a state of like childlike excitement. Um, and that feeling is so fulfilling that it kind of um, has been dragging like it's kind of been pulling me deeper and deeper into uh, no matter what comes up, I want to sit with it and process it because I know that fulfillment at the end is so overpowering. When that grief is going to exit my body, it's going to be replaced by God's love. Um, and it's going to be another affirmation that, yes, God is real. And every time this going into that state gets um, easier and easier. Um, and so now it's, the joy of the Lord is not limited to moments of like going to the beach or um, having laughs with your friends. It's even during our painful, painful moments, we can sit with his presence and we can trust that he's going to show up. Yeah. So, Thank you. And one of the best things I love about Blue Water is that in the past when I would try something, it was you have to do this continuously to get that supply of God. But like here, it's it's that encouragement that I can be anywhere in the world, but what I've learned through my sozos is that God is not limited to Blue Water. God is not limited to just being here in this community, but being anywhere and to have that intimate connection with God. And that, that was something that was encouraged during my trainings here. So thank you so much. Fun stuff. So many good experiences going on for so many uh, people. Um, Let's uh, shift into uh, different gear and uh, give one another faith uh, so that we can receive and carry away something special uh, for the world this week. So our ritual of declarations and exhortations is going to require you to think a little bit. It's going to require you to receive something from God so that you have something to give away. You got it? All right, so here's what we're going to do. I want you to turn to someone around you. you pick that person out right now. Just target somebody. This is targeting. This is targeting. And then I want you to do, I want you to turn to that person in a second, and I want you to say, say I think God has some blank for you today. I think God has some blank for you today. And what you're going to say is like, well, I think God has some joy for you today. Or I think God has some peace for you today, or God has some revelation for you today, or some vision for you today, or some love for you today, 
I think God has some mystery for you today, right? It can be any number of things. So now you're going to have to reflect. You're going to have to feel it. You're going to have to sense it. You're going to have to get it. All right, so that person that you targeted, God has something for that person today. What is it? I'm going to give you eight seconds to think about this. No, you get eight seconds. That's all you get. This is blue water, and we do not mess around. This is Christmas. We got things to do, people. You got eight seconds. You got eight seconds. There's, some, there's a slide for this, I think. All right, you got it? So turn to your person and say, I think God has some for you today. Go. Go for it. Come on. Some people may have targeted the same person, you know. Maybe someone didn't get targeted. So you've got to elbow your way in, butt into the conversation, get this business done. All right, all right, all right, that's it. That's it, well done. Do you feel the faith? Was that okay? Who, who, got, something, who got something good? Anybody have anything interesting that they uh, delivered or received? Robin. You're going to get some angelic visitations today? Wow, who blessed you with that? Mindy, of course, it was Mindy. Mindy does not mess around. What else? Who got something creative and interesting? Who else got something creative and interesting? Robin was blessed with angelic visitations later today. I want you to call me tonight. Tell it. What else? Come on. Breath? Oh, rest. That's like breath. You got some rest. That was a good one. What'd you get? A new level of courage. Wow. That's cool. Mia. Snuggly blanket love. Snuggly blanket love. That's pretty cool. Snuggly blanket love. All right, one more. One more. If you can top snuggly blanket love. Angelic visitations. It's going to be a very interesting week. One more. Who's got? Yeah. Sam. Confident faith. Confident faith, no less. All right, that's good. That's good. Snaps to you. Uh, you were dragging a little bit in your responses there uh, to me, so we have to do a warm-up question. Here's your warm-up question. What's one specific fact or insight about Christmas that you would like to share with people this year? One specific fact or insight having to do with Christmas that you want to share with the world around you this year, you want to share with people this year. I'll give you eight seconds to think about that. Ooh, I see a lot of concentration out there. There are a lot of facts and insights about Christmas. You just got to pick one. The one that you're definitely going to share with people this year. Maybe because it's important to you, especially this year. Or maybe because you think it's especially important to the world this year. What's one fact or insight about Christmas you want to share? All right, who's got? Who would struggle with it? Yeah, Jace. 
you don't have to be preachy to, to spread God's love. Yeah, then, yeah, Christmas wasn't preachy. It was interesting. Uh, but yeah. Who else got? Lauren. Oh, so like Christmas anticipation, like, yeah. Yeah. We're supposed to anticipate God's goodness, like kids and Chris anticipate Christmas goodies uh, under the tree. Yeah, that's good. I mean, there's so much of that, right? There's so much anticipation and waiting that kind of goes into the Christmas story, right? Actually, centuries of it. So that's a great one. Yeah, Mint. Oh, yeah, since the as, as per your poem last night, right? Um, yeah, Jesus was kind of waiting to come into the world from the beginning. It was all planned from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, Mike, you had one. I'm the reason for the You're the reason for the season. That's interesting, right? I, mean, I, kinda, I, I think I kind of know what Mike means by that. Um, but it needs to be unpacked, it needs to be unfolded a little bit to make sense, but then that's a conversation, right? That's a great thing that you give away because great gifts need to be unwrapped. And, uh, yeah, Andrew. There's still places on the planet that don't know Christmas exists, right? And, and people, well, I mean, people need to be aware of that. There's something that goes with that that has to do with mission and expressing, and, yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. That, well, same, same, yeah. There are people that know Christmas exists, that know Christ exists, but their situation is so restrictive, uh, so hard, so violent, so oppressive, that they can't even celebrate it openly. That's good. Robin? Yeah, so so many people looking for something but the Christmas story is God coming to look for us, right? And that's, yeah, sometimes searching is merely acceptance, isn't it? Steve? It's really quick. One that you uh, taught me, whether you believe it or not, there's no doubt that living in awe of the miracle will change. Yeah, a great, a great insight. We have about insights about Christmas. Like, whether you believe in Christmas or not, whether you believe the Jesus story or not, it is an indisputable fact that the reverence for the story has completely transformed the world. That's where, so if nothing else, it is the most transformative story that's ever been told, if nothing else. Nalani, last one. <laughs> Before text messaging, God had to send a baby. The ultimate text message. That's probably on a Hallmark card somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, probably on a Hallmark card somewhere. Yeah. It was Jesus, the ultimate emoji. <laughs> All right, good job, guys. Uh, uh, it, I mean, it's such a sweeping story, right? And it's so globally revolutionary. And, you know, it's a 2,000-year-old tradition. And every year we kind of go through the story, we rehearse it, and we interact with it. And uh, every year I'm kind of struck with uh, trying to find a, a handhold on it, you know. It's like, all right, 
it can be so many things. Uh, what, what is the story uh, for me this year? What is the bit of the story that I need to deploy this year? Um, what, what are the ba- what's the basic thing uh, that is the most important? And I think that's a, great, that's a great way for us to celebrate the season. Um, sometimes if we try to grasp everything or handle everything, we just fumble it all, yeah? But if you get a grip on one thing that's definitely real, one thing that's kind of unmoving, just something that's basic and essential, then you can kind of build from there something that holds everything. That's a very high concept way of explaining it. But do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, forget all the generalities and the, the swath of stuff. What's, what, what one thing are you holding on to right now? And until you get that one thing, it's hard to get everything, you know? And I think that there's something in there. I'm not articulating it well, but there's something in there that is a great life principle, I think. You know, hold to the one thing. In fact, you could say that this is kind of why God did Christmas as he did Christmas. You know, because God is a... You know, we talk about knowing God, but God is unknowable, by which I mean he is so grand, right? His ways are higher than our ways, Scripture tells us. He's, He's so otherworldly, you know, a being outside space and time. We can't even get our brain around that, you know. And so really we can't know God in any fundamental, but we can interact with God. Uh, And so what God did is he gave us one thing, (laughs) one thing that we could actually hold on to, get our arms around, get our brain around. And if we get that one thing, then we can kind of build from there and interact with all of it, right? And so that one thing, of course, was Jesus, right? It's like, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a baby. I'm going to wrap this up in, in the fundamental thing of humanity, <laughs> a baby, uh, a little baby. Uh, and that you can understand. That you can kind of get a grip on, right? And if you, if you get a grip on that, and the baby came in the way that the baby came, well, then you are well on your way to knowing the unknowable God. And that's a way of describing Christmas, if you're an egghead like me and you think of like philosophical concepts and stuff like that. That's one way of doing it. But I think it's also a life principle. I experienced this several years ago. I was going through a really hard time. My father had just died, and I was, it was a long and brutal illness, and there were other crises going on, and I just, you know, got one of those points in life where I was really dragging, and the church uh, board was very kind to me during that period and gave me, uh, uh, it was over five months off, and uh, one of the things I did during that period is I went to um, uh, Idaho, I went to the Northwest, and to this, like, this retreat center, this prayer retreat center that these people run for pastors on the fritz, you know, <laughs> who have been really tired. And basically what I do, I got to go there, and then every day I would hang out with these people who did this ministry, and they would just, like, pray for me, you know, like, for hours, and chat with me, like, well, what's going on? Let's, let's pray. Through. It was basically, it was like a sozo, right? But it was, like, a week long, and... And on my off hours, I just got to chill. And the idea that this would be sort of healing and it would be recovery for me. So it was really good. Um, I, 
I don't, I don't necessarily do well in those contexts personally because what you do is you have to sit and talk, <laughs> right? Not really my thing. And it's like, it's a great concept, but after one day of talking, I need three days off. <laughs> so that's just me. That's just me, right? Um, and so it's like, well, this is, this is a huge blessing, you know, and I really love the people that I meet. They were actually really awesome. Um, and... Uh, but, you know, it's like, I'm a limited man. And so at the end of the week, I was actually pretty tired. Because I was in that area of the world, I went to visit my half-aunt. This is my father's half-sister, and my father had just died. And I never get to see her. It had been like 20 years, over 20 years since I had seen her. Uh, so uh, I looked her up, and I drove over, and I just hung out with her. I don't have a big family. I don't have any biological siblings and and, you know, at that point, my biological family had been reduced to pretty much Nana, and many of you know, and my kids, you know. That's, um, and just hung out with her, and she just started telling me stories from my babyhood because she was actually there, and she was actually the only person who was, who was really there at the time and was able to tell me how, what went down. Now, we won't go into the details, but, but you've heard me tell my story enough that my babyhood was a bit crazy because my mom walked out and my dad ended up having to kidnap me because even though she was estranged from me, she was awarded legal custody of me and it just got crazy, crazy, right? And so my whole life, I knew, I, I kind of knew this, but nobody in my family would ever talk about it because it was criminal and shameful and and. And so she just started talking, and I couldn't stop her if I wanted to, because she wanted to talk about her half-brother who had just died, and she really loved him. And the best thing she could do was tell me about me. The most healing moment I had during that whole season. Because it was like she was saying, um, you know, this, this is something about you. This is a fact, and I bear testimony to how it was for you and your dad. Does that make sense? Do you understand why that was powerful? to be a, a witness to it. And she was like the only living witness I had, you know, uh, to, to, this, to this day. Um, better than all the prayer ministry I got, better than this, this extended sozo, although you should all do a sozo. Amen? Amen. Pretty says amen. Sometimes it's better to hear, well, this is how it is, instead of hearing, this is what ought to be. And a lot of times in our Christian lives, in our spiritual life, we, we get hung up on what ought to happen, how we ought to be, how we ought to behave. And, and every once in a while, God just wants to say, well, this is what is. This is what is. What's it like to follow God? I tell you what, I'm going to give you a baby. You know, and this is how it went down. And there are some details involved in it. Because it can only go down one way. And you need to really Fix it. Otherwise, you can't build. And what I appreciate about the Christmas story, we went over this last week, is that it's told to us in Scripture in a way that's saturated with weird details, as if someone was obsessing and saying, no, I want you to know exactly how it happened. Exactly how, because I need a fact to be fixed for you guys. And you can take it from there. Something needs to be basic, essential, and non-negotiable for you. And every year when we celebrate this event, 
It's kind of what we celebrate. It's something that you, if you're going to get a grip on God, you have to get a grip on the details of this story. It's kind of, it's kind of what it means, this Christmas things. Um, uh, when, you're, uh, when you're out at sea sailing a boat, you're away from land. Um, Homer always called it the trackless sea because there are no paths and the sea is always changing, right? You're in the middle of nothingness. You're in the middle of chaos. How do you know which way to go? And so we all know what the North Star is. There's one star in the sky that doesn't move because it's in the north and everything rotates around it. And so the North Star, the Pole Star, that's how, that's, that's how sailors used to navigate. Now we have GPS satellites. But... Uh, but previously, it was all about the one thing in the sky that never moves, the one detail that does not move, the basic, you know? And it is by that that we navigate uh, in life. And there's something about Jesus, of course, that is a basic. There are many unmoving basics in life with God, which makes picking one really interesting. I think there are many unmoving basics in the Christmas story, which makes picking one interesting. So let's read from the Christmas story again. We read the whole thing uh, from Luke chapter 2 last week. Uh, I'll just read uh, the, the bit this week that has to do with the shepherds. Can I go over it quickly? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. This might be what's happening, going to happen for you this afternoon. Angelic visitation. That would be cool. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. The most common command in all of scripture. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. There it is. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ. He's the promised one. This is the leader that everybody's been waiting for. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you so that you don't miss it. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Well, that's surprising. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Yeah. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger lying in a food dish, just like they were told. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. What this means is that these shepherds, who are nameless, we know nothing about them except that they were shepherds, were the world's first reporters, the, the world's first witnesses to the Jesus story. These guys. All right, so that's a basic thing. That's, that's, a, that's a primary thing. Um, and it begs the question to me. The, the, the shepherds were the first reporters. It tells us they went and spread the word. They told people what had been said to them and presumably about what they had seen there in, in the stable. Um, I wonder what they said. I wonder what they said. Because they couldn't say it all. 
right? They couldn't start with the Old Testament and go through all the Old Testament prophecies and get to, you know, Jesus and then present you some sort of developed theology and redemptive catechism and something. That, right? They didn't do that. Plus, they were shepherds, which were like really, you know, semi-homeless cowboys. Um, they were really ruffians. Um, simple people. So what do you think they said? What do you think the shepherds say? So they, 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 they said what had been told them about the child. They had gone to investigate, so they were eyewitness. What do, you, what do you think they said? Anybody have an idea? You bumped into the shepherd that night on the corner in uh, Bethlehem. What did you hear? Yeah. So the first thing they said was like, I'm going to tell you something, but you're not going to believe it. <laughs> to which you might have responded, don't tell me. Angels appeared. Yeah, that, that may have figured in there. Yeah, we saw some angels um, because that doesn't happen every day. How did they know what angels were? Because, you know, maybe the beings appearing in the sky in radiant light weren't angels. Alien abduction. They didn't talk a lot about angels then. Shepherds didn't. Actually, angels were a big part of Jewish folklore, but... Yeah, but but I bet it was surprising and unusual. <laughs> yeah. This might be a little more like it. Some shiny dude appeared in the sky and told us to go find a kid in a barn, and we did. That yeah, maybe maybe something more like that. Yeah. Yeah, Mike. Maybe they walked up. Maybe they walked up. At least, at least the first one. Yeah. Could be. The details matter. Is what I like about that. One more, Vern. Yeah, there's some good, colorful, expletive cowboy language. For instance, Vern. I mean. Come on. She's a good source. There's, there's children. There's children present. So. Okay, good. That, we're, getting, we're getting some color in the story now. Because, yeah, don't you think so? Yo, dude. Some blank went down. Holy blank. Yeah. Yeah. Would you love an accurate, an accurate account in the Bible? It would be so much better to read. What do you think? I don't know exactly what they said. I know they couldn't tell it all. You know, it might have been all of this and more. Maybe, maybe when they ran up to you and shared, they would say, we were chosen. Like, you, like this Angel appeared and told us about the Messiah and chose us, you know, a bunch of muckety-mucks who care for livestock. So that might have been a headline in their story because they were probably blown away that it was them who got this revelation first. I mean, it's just so freaking weird. 
that it went down that way. Or they might have just fixated on the fact that they were told the Messiah came in this supernatural way, and then they had a sign to confirm it. So they might have just said, we're pretty sure he's the guy. We're pretty sure this is the guy that, that we are waiting for. What guy? Well, he was just born in a barn. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, so that's an interesting lead. Or it might have just, they might have had a little swagger about them because, you know, they were kind of, what were they? I mean, they were kind of cowboys. They were kind of rednecks, you know. So, so they might have been like, the Romans' days are numbered, dude. And that might have been their headline because they might have been very, very concerned about that. Like, Romans are going down. We got us a leader. Who is he? Well, currently he's wearing diapers. But, <laughs> so that might have been the story. Or maybe, you know, maybe it was emotional. Maybe it was like, God has not forgotten us because their situation was so perversely oppressive uh, under the Romans that maybe, maybe they were just beaten down and maybe their, their first reaction was like, we're not forgotten. We're not, this is not the way it is. This, there is a God. And there's a way in which getting the fact on a detail, like there was a kid wrapped in cloth, lying in a food dish like the angel said, and that somehow means God has not forgotten us. If I can grab that detail, it means all of this grandeur. So that might have been how they went with it. Or they might have said something like, the Messiah, he's one of us. Now, if you're a good, educated Christian, you think that that means, yes, God made flesh. But if you were that shepherd, would it be like, no, he's one of us, right? Uh, Mindy said last night in her poem, if you were there, that he didn't come, just come for the poor, he was the poor, right? And so why did the word come to the shepherds? Because Jesus essentially was a shepherd, right? I mean, his family was semi-homeless. Joseph was a, he's called a carpenter. What the word means, a tecton, it literally means something like day laborer or laborer, you know? Um, and so he's like, the Messiah is not born in a palace. You know, he's born in a, in a barn. We know barns. We're shepherds. They would probably have been in a barn, except it was probably lambing season, which is why they were out in the fields with their sheep. So all sorts of ways they could get their hand around it, and then that's what they would have shared, uh, helping you to get your hand around it. You ever have one of those surreal experiences in life? Um, it's an experience of something which you had thought about, maybe waited a long time for, uh, and then suddenly, or not so suddenly, it was happening, and the surreal experience you have is like, I can't believe this is actually happening because I've thought so much about this and now it's happening and it makes you feel a little bit out of body, which is ironic because you'd thought about it. You know what I'm talking about? One of those realer than real experiences, which is what surreal means. It means over real. It's just like too real. It's so real that you can't believe it's real, right? So those of us who have kids, right? A lot of us talk about the birth of our child, particularly the first child, first child that way. Um, it's a little gross, but I still remember when the first curl of JoJo's head came out. I, I remember that picture. I won't go into the details of that picture, but, but why? Because they're like, oh my gosh, you know, there she is. 
And it was like realer. How many, how many dads, how many of you have had? Yes. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So don't look, don't look at me like I'm weird. Don't look at me like I'm weird. And, you know, occasionally, you know, I do a ton of weddings. Occasionally, uh, one, of the, one of the couple will get faint on the day. You know, because it's just like, I can't believe that it's happening. I can't believe that we're actually doing this. Now, the funny thing is, like, if it, births happen all the time, which is why you're here. And weddings happen a lot. They've been happening throughout human history. So they're not extraordinary. But they're just real. You know, and people talk about that a lot. But they're, have you ever been uh, close to death? In, in, a, in a situation that was urgent or violent, and he thought, well, I guess this is the moment I die. Apparently, you didn't. Uh, but then you're like, realer than real. Have you ever had any of those moments? Anyone? I've had a few of them. Recently, uh, we may have had some in, in, in Brazil. Yeah. Here. Oh, the missile thing, yeah. The missile thing. Yeah. I was out of town for that, actually. The PhD in nuclear proliferation and study of the North Korean arsenal, and I was out of town when it went down. Um, yeah, it's like, the missile is coming, and this is not a drill. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You, you went to the women's breakfast? It's going to have the women's breakfast. That's awesome. That's an awesome story. It's like, well, we're going to fellowship. <laughs> All right, so you know what I'm talking about, those realer than, than real moments. And in those moments, they're just so real, right? And what happens when we have them is that we remember details, like the first curl coming out or uh, the pistol, the shape of it uh, pointed at you or, um, you know, whatever. But, but you focus on details, don't you? Right? It's like I see that in, in, a, in a very real way. Um, Sometimes you have to ask someone, is this really happening? Have you ever done that? Is this, is this really happening right now? Um, okay, so I'm talking about that today. Because um, I think there's something about Christmas that, that begs that sort of question. Did that really happen? Is, is, this, is this really happening? Is this really happening? Um, and one thing that we can do for the world, brothers and sisters, is to register the reality. To register the reality of Christmas. So if the world is saying to us in so many words, did that really happen? Is this really, is this really the way it is? Then we simply enter into that and say, this is really happening. Yeah, actually, that is what your babyhood was like. Right? Just kind of register the reality, and it's healing. It's shifting. It's empowering. But someone needs to come alongside and say, I testify. Right? It is. It is. Go ahead and say that with me. It is. The simplest ministry you'll ever do. And Christmas is just filled with the opportunity for it just to be a reality register. Yeah, that's why we're given all the details of the story, I, I think. 
After Jesus was born, he lived his life. It ended rather dramatically on a cross. Then he came back to life and he started giving instructions to all the friends and disciples who had been there for lots of the major details. And what he said to them is, you will be my witnesses. You've been my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, you'll be witnesses. Primarily, guys, your job is just to go out into the world and say, oh, it is. This is really happening. The simplest ministry you'll ever do. Simplest, basic, unmoving, North Star ministry. The simplest thing ever. So powerful. So powerful. One of the reasons I love to do uh, like the Holy Spirit retreat uh, stuff that we do, we just gather together and just sort of pray for the presence, the manifest presence of God to come and feel. You had a good Holy Spirit retreat, didn't you, Pray. Um, that was kind of your entree church in some ways. And uh, I remember one thing you said to me. It's the thing that I hear a lot when we do those retreats. Wow, God has never been this real. <laughs> it's like, I, I didn't know that, dot, 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 you know. It's like, well, you experience God in a manifest sort of way. Well, that's, that's a version of the Jesus story, isn't it? You know, God's sort of indwelling, except when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's God indwelling in your flesh, rather than God made flesh over here. Uh, Jesus said, oh, it's even better as a result. It is. Yeah, it's real. It's real. The most basic ministry you'll ever do. It's real. For me, uh, this year, uh, when I think about, all right, what's one fact or insight about Christmas that I want to share with the world? Uh, It's not fancy at all, but it's this thing about how it's good news. You know, hey, don't be afraid. Well, that's always good advice. Uh, I bring you tidings of great joy that this is supposed to be good. It's supposed to be good. Now, that probably doesn't feel very revolutionary to you, uh, but I'm constantly challenged to kind of live in expectation of good. You know, the joy thing is always super, super hard for me. Um, Well, which is to say, it doesn't come naturally to me. So if it comes at all, it has to be supernatural. Um, And uh, so I'm trying to provoke myself. It's like, well, I mean, is it good? I mean, is this a good story? I mean, I know it's a good story, but is it a story of goodness? You know, is it it good to me? Is it good for mine? Um, Anyway, I don't articulate that very well. But one of the ways I get anchored in that is to give it away to people. It's like, oh, no, this is good. I testify that it's a good piece of history at this point. It's a really, really good piece of history. And I think about it so hard that I actually I think I'm quite skilled at relaying that to people now. I have, like, yeah, even if you don't believe it, it's still good news for you. You've really benefited from this story. Um, the world has really, really benefited from this story, so I'm quite confident uh, as I share it. Um, I think Christmas makes life a lot better. You know, I think it's made my life a lot better. Anyway, that's me. I want you to pick a thing to share with the world. I want you to pick a Christmas thing, a Christmas something, a Christmas detail to share with the world. You're shepherds. You are witnesses. 
You are reporters. You're reporters. And you have to go out into your Bethlehem and accost people. And you're going to say something. And you're going to say it in your way. Right? It might be like, I was chosen to share this with you. That's perfectly legitimate because it's very personal. Or you might say, uh, the days of the Romans are numbered. Because there are Romans in the world, right? Um, you know, there, there are tools of oppression and darkness and hurt in the world, right? We're Christians now, so we typically don't assign that to political forces, right? We assign it to spiritual forces, right? Life is hard. It's just gotten better. That's essentially what that means. You know, we now have freedom uh, from oppression. Or I saw an angel. You know, something supernatural happened in my life. I've experienced a miracle and something otherworldly. That's great. I mean, you guys, I know so many of you and you have so many things to share and so many of them are Christmas linked. But pick one because if you don't get your hand on one thing, you'll never get a grip on everything. You won't believe what happened. It's a great way to be a witness. Yeah. So, Father God, I, I thank you uh, for the one thing that came to us in, in, in Jesus. Of course, whew, even the story about Jesus isn't just one thing, right? It's a lot of really cool details, a lot of cool vectors. Uh, I pray that we'd get a hand today on our angle on our detail to which we can testify with great authority unto our own blessing, but unto the blessing of those around us as well. What is it, Lord? What's the one thing? And take it from our minds to our hearts out of our mouth. Come on, people. It happened. It happened. And we are witnesses of this thing. We are witnesses standing in the tradition of witnesses. It's real, and we register the reality for a world that desperately needs some reality. In Christ's name, amen.